بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome to another episode of the life of Prophet Muhammad before we speak about the most transformative moment in the life of the Prophet which is the incident that took place in the cave of Hira during one of the nights when the Prophet was meditating, I think it's important for us to reflect a little bit about the stages in the Prophet's development. Because everything that has happened in the life of the Prophet has essentially been a preparation for him to undertake this weighty message. The Prophet ﷺ, as we discussed, he was born into a state of tribulation. He was born as an orphan. He faced great hardships from childhood. He loses his mother, his beloved grandfather, after he gets married, he loses his first son. He loses another child. So the Prophet's entire life is characterized by loss, by tribulation, by pain. The Prophet ﷺ, throughout his life, he experiences the pain of isolation. So before we, in order for us to really appreciate what happens to the Prophet at the age of 40? We have to understand the different stages in his development, especially from a spiritual lens. Now, from childhood, the Prophet ﷺ, according to traditions, was spoken to by angels. He was muhaddath. And muhaddath is a term that refers to someone who hears angels. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, in Nahjul Balagha in Sermon 192, and we've already referenced this excerpt, but as a reminder, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib says about the Prophet's childhood, وَلَقَدْ قَرَنَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى بِهِ مِنْ لَدٌ كَانَ فَطِيمًا أَعْظَمَ مَلَكٍ مِنْ مَلَائِكَتِهِ from the time he was weaned, meaning the Prophet, God sent the greatest of his angels to accompany him. This angel who was sent to the Prophet from, from his infancy, from the time that he was weaned, Allah sent an angel to accompany him and lead him day and night, down a path to nobility and virtue. يَسْلُكُوا بِهِ طَرِيقَ الْمَكَارِمِ وَمَحَاسِنَ أَخْلَاقَ الْعَالَمِ لَيْلَهُ وَنَهَارَ Now, of course, every human being is accompanied by angels who protect them, who record their deeds. But this is a special type of care that is given to the Prophet. So from the time that he was weaned, he was accompanied by 
the greatest of God's angels to train him and to guide him towards the path of nobility and virtue. Ibn Abi Hadid al-Mu'tazili, the famous Sunni scholar who wrote a commentary of Nahj al-Balagha, in volume 13, page 207, he cites a narration from Imam al-Baqir salam. And again, this shows us that the Prophet, from a very young age, he, he was exposed to the metaphysical realms. The angelic world was gradually revealing itself to him. Imam al-Baqir salam, he says, وَكَّلَ بِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ مَلَكًا عَظِيمًا مُنذُ فُصِلَ عَنَ الرَّضَاعِ Imam al-Baqir, he says, God entrusted Muhammad to a great angel from the time he was weaned. So this is exactly what Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib mentions in Nahj al-Balagha. يُرْشِدُهُ إِلَى الْخَيْرَاتِ وَمَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ This angel guided the Prophet. You know, this could be angelic inspiration, angelic whispers into his heart. So this angel, from the time he was weaned, was entrusted to the Prophet to guide him to righteousness and to the highest character. وَيَصُدُّهُ عَنِ الشَّرِّ and this angel would divert him from evil and from base character. It was this angel who used to call out to him when he was a young boy, when he was a child. When he was a youth, this angel would speak to him. Of course, the Prophet wasn't able to see the angel, but he would hear this angelic voice saying to him, Peace be upon you, O Muhammad, O Messenger of God. While he was yet a youngster, Imam al-Baqir says, when he was a youth, he would hear angels. When he was a youngster, not having attained to the station of messengerhood. فَيَظُنُّ أَنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْحَجَرِ وَالْأَرْضِ فَيَتَأَمَّلَ فَلَا يَرَى شَيْئًا When the Prophet was a youth, angels would speak to him. He would hear the salutations of angels. And Imam al-Baqir, he says, he would think the sound came from a stone or from somewhere. So he would look around, but see nothing. So in this stage, in the Prophet's development, he is muhaddath. He hears angels. You see, the metaphysical world is gradually pulling back its layers. It's revealing itself to him. You see, spirituality, my dear brothers and sisters, is not like a light switch. The Prophet is growing as a human being. And this is a, a, a misconception that some of us have. We have this impression that the Prophet is born and he already occupies these elevated uh, 
stations of spirituality. Now, now, of course, the Prophet was infallible from birth. But the Prophet is growing and is maturing. And you see this in this spiritual development, specifically in the gradual way in which the angelic world is revealing itself to him. So the Prophet, as a youth, he would hear Malaika. He would hear the angels speaking to him. And he would look, you know, he and the angels would say it. The angel that accompanied him, for instance, would say, Assalamu alayka ya Muhammad, peace be upon you, O Muhammad, O the Messenger of God. And he, he didn't know where that sound was originating from. He would look at a stone, at a tree, and he would see nothing there. So at this stage in the Prophet's life, he hears angels, but he's not able to see them uh, with his eyes. So that's with respect to uh, his youth. And we also, in our previous episodes, we spoke about uh, the times in which the Prophet would be playing with some of the other Qurashi boys, and they would remove their garments, they would remove their shirts, and, and they would play. And the Prophet would hear a voice telling him that do not remove your clothes. So again, these are Malaika. This is the angel that's accompanying him who is guiding him towards that which is most upright. So there was no sin that the Prophet was tempted to commit, but rather the angel wants the Prophet, of course, through divine uh, guidance, he wants the Prophet to observe makarim al-akhlaq at every stage in his life, to exhibit the highest uh, moral conduct. So the first stage in the prophet's development from the day that he from the time that he was weaned is he begins hearing angels specifically the angel that was entrusted to him by Allah to guide him towards righteousness and impeccable character when he was 37 there's something that changes in him and this is when the Prophet ﷺ begins to see inspired dreams. It is recorded in Qasas al-Anbiya by Al-Qutb al-Rawandi. Al-Qutb al-Rawandi is one of the prominent Shi'i scholars, a historian, a Hadith scholar. He writes a book called Qasas al-Anbiya, which is one of the oldest uh, books on the prophetic stories. He mentions the following. He says, When the Prophet reached 37 years, when he was 37 years old, he used to see the following dream while he slept. It was as though someone was approaching him while he was in the mountains herding Abu Talib's goats. So in the dream, the Prophet sees himself 
herding the goats of Abu Talib, and someone addresses him in his dream, saying, O Messenger of God. So the Prophet, in the dream, he asks the person, Men ant, who are you? Who is addressing me as the Messenger of God? Qala ana Jibra'il arsalani Allahu ilayka liyattakhidaka rasoola. Wa kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi the reply came back to him in the dream that I am Gabriel, I am Jibra'il. God has sent me to you because he wants you, he wants to make you a messenger. And the messenger of God would conceal this from people. So here you see a progression. The prophet from childhood, throughout his youth, he would hear angels, he would hear malaika, but he would not. He, he was not able to see them. He he couldn't see them while he was awake, nor was he having visions in his dreams. At the age of thirty-seven, Jibra, uh, the Prophet sees Jibrail in his dreams. And Jibra'il essentially tells him that you are being groomed for messengerhood. Now at the age of 37, the Prophet doesn't wake up and announce to the people. He doesn't share this with anyone really. He doesn't publicize this. He conceals it from the people. This is mentioned by Al-Qutb al-Rawandi in his Qasas. And the narration continues. فَأَنزَلَ جَبْرَائِيلِ بِمَاءٍ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ So again, there's a continuation of this dream that the Prophet sees at the, at the age of 37. Then Gabriel brought water from heaven, from the higher realms, and told him, فَقَالَ يَا مُحَمَّدْ قُمْ فَتَوَضَّ O Muhammad, stand and perform wudu. فَعَلَّمَهُ جَبْرَائِيلَ الْوُضُوءَ عَلَى الْوَجْهِ وَالْيَدَيْنِ مِنَ الْمِرْفَقِ وَمَسْحَ الرَّأْسِ وَالْرِجْلَيْنِ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ Then Jibra'il taught him the wudu by washing on his face and his arms from the elbows and wiping his head and two feet up to the ankles. وَعَلَّمَهُ الرُّكُوعُ وَالسُّجُودِ And Jibra'il teaches the Prophet sujood and the ruku'ah. So there is some form of the prayer. Now this is not the Islamic prayer that is legislated after the Prophet begins his risala. This is a special sort of prayer and a wudu' and prayer that is taught to the Prophet at the age of 37 that seems to be comprised of the, the basics, namely sujood. Now, during this three-year period, now, of course, it seems that the Prophet would have shared this with Khadija. He would have shared this with Ali ibn Abi Talib, who's essentially being brought up in the, the household of the Prophet. So it seems that from the age of 37 to 40, during this three-year period, 
the Prophet's prayer consisted only of sujood per the following tradition. And it seemed, and Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib explicitly says that he was praying with the Prophet before the age of 40. So Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam, he says, and this is recorded by uh, Ibn, Had, Ibn Abi al-Hadid al-Mu'tazili in his Sharh, in his commentary of Nahj al-Balagha, volume 3, page 258. And we have other sources that mention uh, this. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, he says, Sallaytu qabla nas sab'a sinin. I prayed before other people for seven years. Meaning that I prayed with the Prophet for seven years before anyone else prayed with him. We used to do sujood and not ruku'ah. So this is a very you know, primitive form of the prayer. This is the prayer that was performed by Rasulullah by Ali ibn Abi Talib, presumably by Khadija, and, and some of the very close uh, members of his family, before the Bi'tha. So when the Prophet, you know, from the age of 37 to 40, when he would go up to the cave of Hira, you know, and if Ali ibn Abi Talib was with him, they would spend time there meditating, and they would worship, and their salah was not comprised of Qur'anic recitation because the Qur'an had not been revealed yet. They essentially prostrate to Allah on the peak of that mountain. So Amir al-Mu'mineen says, I prayed before other people for seven years with the Prophet. And we used to do sujood and not ruku'. So you see that the Prophet is acting on the instructions of Jibra'il at the age of 37, but this is all happening through dreams. So the Prophet has not seen Jibra'il in his wakeful state yet. He hears angels, and the only way the Prophet is seeing angels is through these inspired dreams. And then we come to the age of 40. So again, from the time that he was weaned until 37, Rasulullah is muhaddath. He is muhaddath, meaning that he is spoken to by angels. He hears angels, but he cannot see them. And we mentioned the narration that says he would hear, he would hear angels addressing him as the Messenger of God, peace be upon you, O Muhammad, and he would look to see where that sound was coming from and he would not see anyone. And then we come to the third stage in the Prophet's development. And this is when he reaches the age of 40. When, when he was 40, he was appointed as a Prophet, but not a Messenger. And this is important because many have this assumption that his risala began at the age of 40. The Prophet ﷺ was not yet a Rasul in, in the active sense. Of course, the potentiality is always there. It's there. 
but his nubuwa begins at 40. So when he, when he was 40, he was appointed as a prophet, but not a messenger to the people. And he's not a message, messenger yet because the message has not been revealed to him yet. Because the Qur'an is the message of God. But at the age of 40, as we'll come to discuss, Qur'an is not yet revealed to him. And this is what happened on the 27th of Rajab in the year 610 Common Era. Now, Shi'i sources are unanimous in naming this date and the age of 40 as the beginning of his nubuwa, as the beginning of his uh, prophethood. And this is based on the tafsir of Imam al-Askari It's a tafsir of the Qur'an that is attributed to our 11th Imam. And he says, فَإِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ لَمَّا تَرَكَ التِّجَارَةَ إِلَى الشَّامِ When the Prophet left off trading in Syria. So, you know, this narration indicates that the Prophet from from his days with Abu Talib, throughout his marriage, he wasn't just sitting around, he was working. He was working as a merchant, he was trading in Syria. When the Prophet left off trading in Syria, Now of course, the Prophet and Khadija, they were wealthy. They, they did not need to work to earn a living. But nonetheless, the Prophet still worked and he basically donated all of his income to charity because they didn't need income to survive. But the Prophet ﷺ, because of his love and care for the poor and the, the, uh, the marginalized, he basically gave away all his earnings as charity. So when he decided to give that up, uh, give up the, the trading in Syria. So at the age of 40, he gives up uh, trading in Syria and he had given all that God had provided him through his business as charity. He used to go to Hira every morning. Now before the age of 40, he would frequent the cave of Hira, but it seems that at the age of 40, he makes it a part of his daily routine. Now that he does, he's not trading as a merchant anymore, he seems to be dedicating more time to his spiritual development. So every morning, he would climb Hira, he would climb Jabal al-Nur and he would look from its peak at the manifestations of God's mercy. You know, brothers and sisters, it's one thing to think about God in the privacy of your home, to praise Him and glorify Him within the four walls of a room. But it's a very different experience when you praise and you glorify and you worship God with that type of view, when you're gazing upon God's creation. And this is what he would do. You know, the Prophet seemed 
to yearn for the calm and the stillness of the night. He would gaze up at the stars. He would hear the, the rustling of the, the leaves. He would hear the wind. He was very connected to creation. So he would look from its peak at the manifestations of God's mercy, at the various wonders that Allah had created out of his mercy, and at his, and at his creation's fresh perfection. The Prophet would ponder over the sky, the earth, the sea, and the desert, and derive lessons from these things. And he would worship God as he deserves to be worshipped. The Prophet would devote a lot of time to worship, and meditation. And on the 27th of Rajab, and you know, we're in the month of Rajab. So the 27th of Rajab marks when the Prophet was at the age of 40, it marks the beginning of his Nubuwa. And this is explicitly what Imam Sadiq says in Tahdibul Ahkam, which is one of the four most authentic. Hadith sources in the Shia tradition. It's one of the Kutub al Arba'a, authored by Shaykh al Tusi. Imam al Sadiq says, La tada' siyam yawmi sab'in wa ishreen min rajab. Do not forsake the fast of the 27th of Rajab. Why? Fa'innahu al yawmu alladhi unzilat fihi al nubuwatu ala Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Because it is the day on which prophethood was ordained on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And even if you look at Sunni sources, if you look at Tariq al-Tabari, he says... And you see that there's this distinction that's made between Risala and Nubuwa. In Tariq al-Tabari, volume 2, page 110, in the volume that I have, he says, Unzilat The prophethood, Nubuwa, was given to him when he was 40 years old. فَقَرَنَا بِنُبُوَّتِهِ إِسْرَافِيلِ ثَلَاثِ سِنِينَ فَكَانَ يُعَلِّمُهُ الْكَلِمَةَ وَالشَّيْءِ وَلَمْ يَنْزِلِ الْقُرْآنَ عَلَى لِسَانِهِ The Prophet was given to him, the Prophethood was given to him when he was 40 years old. At that time, Israfil was assigned to him for three years. He used to teach him various things, but he did not reveal the Qur'an to him. So when the Prophet was 40, no Qur'an was being revealed to him. And this is a common misconception among Sunnis and Shias. It's, it's some, it, this is a narrative that is has been popularized but when you look at the sources, it, there's, no, there's nothing to substantiate it. And this 
again, is a reminder that just because something is popular, it doesn't mean that it's authentic. You know, رُبَّ مَشْهُورٍ لَا أَصْلَ لَهُ Sometimes that which is popularized has no basis. So the idea that Qur'an was revealed to, pro- to the Prophet at the age of 40 is actually unfounded in, uh, in Shi'i sources. And even there are some indications in Sunni sources that that's not the case. So the Prophet at the age of 40, he's ordained as a Prophet. Israfil is assigned to him. He teaches him certain things. Again, how this happens, we don't know. But he did not reveal the Qur'an to him. فَلَمَّا مَضَتْ ثَلَاثِ سَنِينَ قَرَنَا بِنُبُوَّتِهِ جِبْرَائِيلِ After three years were over. Jibra'il was assigned to him. فَنَزَلَ الْقُرْآنُ عَلَى لِسَانِهِ So three years after. So at the age of 43, Jibra'il is assigned to him. And he revealed the Qur'an to him. For 10 years in Mecca, and then and 10 years in Medina. Now, many people say, oh, but I thought the Prophet's mission in, was 13 years Mecca, 10 years in Medina. Yes, he was a Prophet at the age of 40. So his Nubuwa began at 40, and that's where the misconception is. But he became a Rasul at the age of 43. And at the age of 43... He receives the first ayat of Qur'an. So between the ages of 40 and 43, the Prophet is still making his daily trips to the cave of Hira. So the Qur'an, in fact, was revealed over a period of 20 years. The Prophet's nubuwa lasted for 23 years. But his risala, he was a rasul for ten for twenty years, but he was a prophet for twenty three years, and 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 this is where people they conflate, they assume that because his nubuwa was twenty three years, that means Quran was revealed over twenty three years, but that's not true. Quran was revealed to the prophet when he was forty three, and and this is exactly what we're seeing in the narrations. Now, the, the narrative that says that Surah Al-Alaq was revealed to the Prophet on the day of the Mab'ath, and in the Sunni tradition, the Mab'ath took place in the month of Ramadan. In the Shi'i tradition, the Mab'ath is, is the 27th of Rajab. 27th of Rajab is when the Prophet is appointed as a Prophet. Now, no reliable Shi'i source says that Surah Al-Alaq or any part of the Qur'an was revealed on the day of the Mab'ath. So to say that on the 27th of Rajab, when the the Prophet was 40, he receives the first five verses of Surah Al-Alaq has no basis in Shi'i sources. If if we're going to... If we're going to build a belief system, if we're going to reconstruct the biography of the Prophet according to the riwayat of Ahlul Bayt, there's no basis for that for that narrative. So the Prophet, his nubuwa begins 
At the age of 40, he's ordained as a prophet on the 27th of Rajab, according to Imam al-Sadiq. But the Risala, the Quran is not revealed until, until he's 43. Now, it seems that during this three-year period, from the age of 40 to 43, there's no Quran that has been revealed. The main activity of Muslims... You know, the Prophet is privately inviting people to Islam, to this new religion. The main activity of Muslims during this three-year three, three year period was prayer. Not public prayer, it's private prayer. The Prophet is not inviting, he's not publicly inviting anyone. If you look at Tafsir al-Qummi, you see an indication of this. And inshallah, in our next episode... We'll do, we'll do a comparison, we'll compare and contrast Shi'i and Sunni reports about what happened uh, during the incident of Hira when the Prophet in fact received the first verses of the Qur'an. We'll leave that inshallah for our next uh, session. So in Tafsir al-Qummi, we read the following uh, tradition. دَخَلَ أَبُوْ طَالِبْ إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وهو يصلي وعلي عليه السلام بجنبه. أبو طالب came to the messenger of God along with Jafar. So this is during this three-year period. So the prophet is. Uh, this is the first three years before the prophet publicizes uh, uh, his before he begins publicly inviting people to Islam. Abu Talib came to the Messenger of God along with Ja'far, his son, the elder brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib. He observed the Messenger with Ali next to him praying. And this is presumably the prayer that was taught to the Prophet by Jibra'il in the dream that he had when he was 37. And this is, you know, the the prayer that, that consists primarily of Tasbih and sujood, and but there's no Quran as a part of this prayer. So Abu Talib says, Abu Talib, when he sees the Prophet and Ali praying. He tells his son Ja'far, go and pray next to your cousin. So Ja'far fawaqafa Ja'far ala yasari Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi fabadara Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi min baynihima fakana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi yusalli wa aliyun wa Ja'farun wa Zaydun wa Zayd ibn Haritha wa Khadija Abu Talib sees Rasulullah and Ali praying. He tells his son Ja'far, go and pray next to your cousin. So Ja'far stood on the other side. So when Ja'far stood to the left, so it seems that Ali was standing to the right of the Prophet, praying. Ja'far stood to the left, the Prophet steps forward between them both 
when Ali, Khadija, and Ja'far had accepted Islam, Zayd ibn Haritha, so Zayd ibn Haritha, who we spoke about in our last episode, the adopted son of the Prophet, he is among the first ones to join the Prophet during this three-year period, before Qur'an is even revealed. They, they participate with the Prophet in his prayer. Therefore, Ali... Ja'far, Zayd, and Khadija would pray behind the Messenger of God. Now, you may have a question about the difference between Nubuwa and Risada. We say that the prophets, that prophethood was ordained when the when Rasulullah was forty. Messengerhood, Risala was ordained upon him when he was 43. What's the difference between a prophet and a rasul? In Al-Kafi, we find a tradition from Zurara, one of the closest companions of Imam Al-Baqir and Imam Al-Sadiq. عن زرارة قال سألت أبا جعفر Zurara asks Imam Al-Baqir السلام there are many verses in the Quran where Allah speaks about certain messengers and he says that he was a messenger and a prophet. So Zurara says to Imam al-Baqir, What is a messenger and what is a prophet? Is there a difference between the two? Imam al-Baqir, he says, Imam al-Baqir, he says, he was, he says, a prophet is one who sees things in his dream and hears the voice but does not see the angel. So it seems that in the in the dream that the prophet had at the age of 37 it seems that the prophet did not have a, a he was not able to see Jibrail but he knew that he was communicating uh, with Jibrail. So Imam al-Baqir says that a prophet is the one who sees inspired dreams. When he's awake they hear angels but they don't see them. But in the dreams they, uh, they're able to see angels. And then the Imam says, Whereas the messenger, a Rasul, is one who hears the voice, they hear angels, and they see angels in their dreams and when they are awake. And... Another narration, I'll just read the, the English for the sake of brevity. Another narration from Al-Ahwal, where he asks Imam Al-Baqir, I asked Abu Ja'far, Imam Al-Baqir about the messenger, the prophet. What's the difference between a messenger and a prophet? The Imam said, a messenger is one to whom Gabriel comes openly and he sees him and speaks to him. Such a person is a messenger. When they're awake, when they're asleep, they see Jibra'il. They 
Jibra'il appears to them openly. A prophet is one who sees in his dream something like the dream of Abraham or the dream of our prophet. So, prophets are able to see angels in their dreams. But when they are awake, they can only hear them. Now, before the coming of Revelation, until Gabriel came from God to inform him that he was the messenger. So again, this is uh, related to the previous statement. In the case of Prophet Muhammad, when prophethood was established in him, then Gabriel brought him the message that he was to be a messenger. So when when Rasulullah was a prophet, he would see Jibra'in in his dreams. And he would be informed of things in his dreams. Some of the prophets in whom prophethood is established, they see in their dreams. The spirit comes to them, the ruh comes to them, speaks and reports to them. But they do not see the spirit when awake. So it seems that the one of the primary differences between a prophet and a messenger in terms of their ability to interact with angels, a messenger is one who can who hears and sees angels while they are awake or when they're sleeping they have the ability to see them in both states whereas prophets they can hear angels when they are awake but they cannot see them they can only see angels when they are uh, dreaming and this could be you know when you're when you're sleeping the soul is liberated from the limitations of the body. When a person becomes more spiritually refined, they are able to experience that liberation when they're, when they're awake because their souls are stronger and they can interact with the angelic world in a much more direct way, even without being asleep, with their bodies. With while their bodies are still awake. And the Imam then ends by speaking about Muhaddath. Muhaddath is the one who hears angels, but does not openly, he does not see them openly or in his dreams. So a Muhaddath is someone who hears angels, but cannot see angels when they're awake or when they're asleep. A prophet is someone who can see angels when they are dreaming, when they're asleep, but they cannot see angels when they are awake, but they can hear them. Whereas a messenger, a rasul, can hear angels and see them when they are awake and when they are asleep. And with that, uh, we conclude uh, this episode on the life of Prophet Muhammad. Inshallah, in our next episode, will compare and contrast uh, the reports in Sunni and Shia traditions that speak about the first verses that were revealed to the Prophet and how the Prophet responded and reacted to the, the first revelation. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters, for tuning in.